When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. And as you know, we are tech heads. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. And with the available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car, backyard or side yard. Hyundai, it's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your favorite bad for you food, Will? Uh, my, my favorite restaurant in the world, and yes, it's a restaurant, is McDonald's. And that's why I don't eat it much. A wee I love Scottish McDonald's. restaurant called Mickey Donald's. Mickey Donald's. <laughs> yes. McDonald's. I love it. I love it to death. And well, uh, I told Ryder that my favorite burger is a McDonald's burger, and Ryder then told me about a place that I have yet to try, but it's oh, like yeah. the, you know, probably way cleaner version of a McDonald's burger. Oh, it's a hipster. It's hipster. It's in Silver Lake. It's called Burgers Never Say Die. Mm. And it's unbelievable. Can I ask the last time you had a McDonald's burger, Ryder? Me? Yeah. Uh, I've had McDonald's. My Indy loves McDonald's. So like when we're on a road trip and we have to stop for fast food, which is usually when I eat fast food, um, we'll get a McDonald's. I'll do that over an In-N-Out. I'm not an In-N-Out guy. Oh, I love Um, In-N-Out. But, I love In and Out uh, burgers, but not the fries. I don't like the fries. Wow. Fries are bad. But totally. the In and Out burgers, they, I get a protein style too. I love the crunch of the lettuce. Big fan of that. Fan I love that. crunchy lettuce. I've I been really too. into making sandwiches lately. And <gasps> love mm, some sandwiches. Just love like a homemade sandwich. sandwich. By the way, when I was a kid, I don't know how my mom how it was even possible because I've tried to do it now. It's not really easy. But my mom used to draw a heart in the peanut butter. She'd make me a peanut butter and jelly Aww. sandwich. And That's she'd really draw intense. She'd draw a heart in the peanut butter, and then I think she just very lightly put the bread together. But I remember being in elementary school and being able to slowly peel apart the sandwich to see the por- to see whatever portion of the heart was still left in the peanut wow. butter. Wow. Isn't that sweet? I know. And then it made me think about the fact that, like, I don't include enough. N- my, my mom used to leave me a note in my lunch occasionally, wow. and I loved those notes. And so for Adler's third birthday, I dropped him off at school, and I put a little note in there, and I was like, he can't read. <laughs> This isn't going to mean anything to him. What am I doing? They don't. Sometimes I, I I give indie notes every once in a while. And back when he was in preschool, the teachers would read them too. Oh, so that's it was, sweet. That always, so I was just me. aware that somebody was going to read it to him. But. Okay, good. 
I, I, there's a Simpsons episode where Lisa and Bart are coming up at lunch and Lisa says, I, I, Bart says, I think I got your lunch. And she takes it over and the note says, I'm so proud of you. I love you. And she goes, yeah, I got yours. And the note says, be good for the love of God, be good. <laughs> and I always thought that was great. Yeah. I'm also not going to tell you that when I travel, uh, my wife puts together a snack bag and puts a note in it oh for me. Oh my God. Yeah. That's cute. When you Jensen, no joke. When Jensen and I no were joke. dating uh, and he'd go on a trip somewhere, I would le- I would write a little, little notes like on a, like a post-it. I'd rip a post-it into three and write three little notes or just like, I love you and hide one in the brim of his hat and one in a sock. Aww, you guys are so it's loving. Nice. We do That's that awesome. stuff. I love doing that stuff. Well, Ryder custom built his wife's wedding ring. So. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying and it again. She doesn't wear it. the metal. Smelt. <laughs> well, it tells you everything about our relationship. You, you, you make the grand gesture and then you forget about it. Well, I, I mean, listen, I don't mining the metal. <laughs> I don't leave those notes in Jensen's hats anymore. I have two no. children to take care of, and yeah. for, you know, I feel like truthfully, um, marriage right after kids is absolutely takes a total backseat to now the children. And like, sure, the yeah. good news is. It, I am not in a relationship where Jensen feels like once we had kids, she stopped prioritizing me. Like Jensen right. so totally gets it that for of both course. of us, our children right now are like the season of life we are in is just very kid centric. And sure. there will be a time where we get back to like our relationship being in the hierarchy. But right now it's kind of yeah. like the biggest bonding experience we have is playing Octortal before we go to bed. And, and right. <laughs> that's about no, it. No, I definitely like, you know, if you can have grandparents or somebody watch the kids, I would definitely like taking you, taking each other out to dinner is like something that Alex and I have always made essential. It's like, you know, every couple of weeks, at every stage, it was like, because because we were fortunate enough that my in-laws are local, you know, in yeah. L.A., no one has grandparents. So like yeah. all of our friends, you know, they have to hire a babysitter if they're going out or whatever. But we're so lucky. My in-laws moved from Florida when Indy was born. And and so we've always been able to j- just have nights out where it's just the two of us. And yeah. it's like so essential. I love that. Yeah. That's you why I make that. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Sue and I, that's one of the reasons why kids we love not. It's just just about us. We like And we like that. I mean, that works for us. It's perfect. So. Well, welcome to Pod Meets World. I'm Danielle Fischel. <laughs> I'm Ryder Strong. And I'm Will Friedle. You may know us as Topanga, Sean, and Eric, and um, we are doing a special episode today because we have been asking you and you have been delivering. We've been saying, email us your thoughts, your questions at podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. And starting right with episode one, you guys started sending in your questions. And now we have so many of them, we thought we would do a very special Q&A episode. Also, do you remember when you were like, 12 or 13 years old and your absolute favorite band was Meatloaf? Well, so does Mr. Feeney. And so do we, which is why we made a Meat Feeney shirt in honor of the greatest episode, (laughs) the greatest scene, the greatest image of all time, double Meatloaf on Mr. Feeney. It is available until August 28th and then never available again. So get your Meat Feeney shirt at podmeetsworldshow.com. Now, we wanted to check in with each other. To say, how are you feeling? How do you think this is going? (laughs) Moments that have made you uncomfortable. Moments that have made you really happy. Um, And so that's kind of where we are. Uh, Ryder, how are you feeling in this stage of our journey? I feel like I jumped into what I thought was like a shallow pool and it got really deep really quick. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I feel like we got in over our heads a little quicker than... Uh, I don't know. I guess I I guess I thought the rewatching would take more of a precedence than the conversations about behind the scenes. But basically, after we started that first episode and the, the memories just kept coming and the conversation kept going in that direction, because that is our experience. Right. It's like we I remember backstage way more than I remember the episodes themselves. So uh, we just keep going in that direction. And, and I can't believe how much material there is already out there. Um, and so I, I'm, I, you know. I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm a little like, wow, I, I have, I thought I'd processed all of this, but obviously not. Um, and yeah, so I still have a lot of feelings and I'm still figuring it out. Um, I think the best part about this has been sharing it with my son. That's been super fun and funny and already led to interesting conversations about him and our relationship that I like. Um, not, you know, cause what I end up playing on the show is I edit down from usually like a five to 10 minute conversation. So it's usually double what is on, on this show. And that's been super fun. Um, 
But yeah, it's it's definitely gotten deeper than I thought quicker. How about you guys? Um, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I'm really loving, first of all, well, a couple things. Really loving seeing the both of you as much as we, I mean, we always saw each other, but now that it's like a regular thing, kind of, yeah. there's a safety in doing this with your friends. Um, yep. so there's something that I love about that. I also just absolutely adore bringing all the guests back and getting to talk to everybody again as adults. And also just the conversations of leading to who else are we going to bring on? Who else can we get? Who's going to come? I mean, all that kind of stuff is, is a lot of fun for me, but yeah, it got very real, very quick, uh, very quickly. And I'm okay with that. I think it's, I think it's, you know, we, one of the things that we always talked about was we were going to start this show. And then we were going to let the show kind of dictate what it became. We were going to, you know, just keep it very, um, very loose and see where it went uh, and go from there. And once Tony Quinn came up with the idea of actually making the show and we were able to (laughs) kind of move forward. Thank God for Tony Quinn. 2018, he came up with it. He was really ahead of his time. He came up with it after Con 2018. And um, I thank him for it every day. And he invented podcasts too. He did. So. Yeah. So no, it's, it's been, it's been a ton of fun. I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's, I I know this sounds ridiculous. It's been a lot more work than I thought it was going to be. If that makes Mm -hmm. any sense. Um, You mean just mentally draining? Mentally draining, time consuming, actual work. I mean, there's, it's, there's a lot of work. People are, it's like, oh, you sit down in front of a microphone, you talk. Well, no, there's a lot that goes on because we want to be kind of involved in every aspect of the show. So, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been fun, but it's, been uh, a a lot more emotional than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think um, to your point, Will, about the time consumingness of it, I think one of the things that I'm surprised by that I shouldn't really have been surprised by is just how much um, I enjoy talking about all of the little moments for each one of us and how long we must find ourselves endlessly entertaining. I hope you guys find this entertaining too, because I, I am amazed when two hours go by. I am truthfully yeah. uh, like two hours go by and I go, I, I feel like I've been here for 40 minutes. Yeah. And by the way, if I wasn't worried about you guys listening, not wanting to have a three hour episode, I could still sit here and keep discussing things. And yeah. so I am, I'm like that in that sense, there's been so much to discuss and I've enjoyed all of it. Um, and it is time consuming to watch the episode, write the notes, uh, think about the memories and then, you know, be present in the conversation and want to listen to what everybody else's stories are. Um, I'm, I'm selfishly very excited to get into some episodes that I'm in. Cause I feel a little <laughs> like, you know, I do. I'm getting to comment on on uh, a show that doesn't even feel at all like I'm a part of it yet, you know? I did yeah, think in that episode really. with Will's first on-screen kiss with Carrie Russell, I thought it was funny. I didn't say it in the time when we did the episode, but I'm remembering it now, that it's funny that Corey doesn't even make any mention of the fact that he has also kissed a girl. And I, I that's one of the things that makes me think you guys may have recorded have that, that episode before, before yeah. that, because he, he yeah. makes a joke about Eric, maybe what, having kissed two girls. And I thought it would have almost been funnier for him to be like, I've kissed the same amount of girls you have, you know, like just, but he didn't even acknowledge it. So I feel like maybe that was even before I was there. So Selfishly, I'm looking forward to getting into some episodes where I'm there because um, I can't wait to critique myself in those ways. We can't wait to critique you either. Oh, it's going to be so fun. <laughs> Have you ever wanted to see us do this nonsense we do with all the talking and the talkity talkity and the talking talking live? Well, guess what? We are doing that. We are announcing our very first live show ever where we are going to bring this podcast that hopefully you love to the stage. Uh, We have no idea what it's going to be yet, which is a little scary. So it may be a total ish show, in which case maybe you really need to be there. Catch us at the Magnolia in El Cajon, California on October 22nd. Pre-sale begins this Wednesday, August 24th at 10 a.m. Pacific time with the code Chubbies. That's C-H-U-B-B-Y-S. So grab your tickets before they go on general sale this Friday, August 26th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster.com. Do you guys know, do you guys want to hear something weird? I refused to call myself a child actor until maybe like five years ago. Really? I could not. Yeah. I I intentionally avoided the phrase, I was a child actor. Or oh, I would find ways around it. I would say, oh, I I acted when I was a kid. Me too. Or, you know, I used to act. I started acting when I was young. 
for whatever reason, I became obs- obsessed at post-Boy Meets World immediately with not acknowledging my identity as this thing. And it was so weird. In college, I became um, I became friends with uh, Joshua Waitzkin, who um, is the child prodigy <laughs> that uh, um, um, Searching for Bobby Fischer is based on. He was a oh, chess okay. player. And wow. he was a ch- so his dad wrote the incredible book. It's a wonderful book by Fred Waitzkin um, called Searching for Bobby Fisher, which then became a pretty good movie. Um, but and when, and when we were in college, he mentioned that he hated the phrase child prodigy. He mm-hmm. couldn't stand. And I was like, why? That's such a compliment. It's so awesome. And but I then on the flip side, I had to acknowledge I hated child actor, which to me seemed more, like m- more derogatory. But for him, even child prodigy, which I thought of as a compliment, he could only see it as diminishing because it was like either he, you know, he wanted to be a grown up prodigy or whatever. The, you know, you wanted to just be acknowledged for doing a thing and maybe you started it early. But it was clear that we were both going through the same psychological process for, you know, very different reasons. But uh, yeah, so when we were talking about this show, this podcast, it's really something that would have been literally impossible for me to cons- to think about five years ago when I couldn't even say the phrase child actor. Now I'm like, oh, yeah, I was a kid actor. It was crazy. You know, like, and I'm like, I can own it. But um, so even just like the fact that we're having these kinds of conversations where we're really diving deep and being completely honest is only possible as a 40 plus year old for me. Yeah, I also avoided uh, child actor, and I think it's for a few reasons. One, it's a very loaded um, phrase. It it all it also implies somehow um, possibly you know messed up, uh, possibly mm-hmm. a drug addict, possibly you know caught up. But in see, some it doesn't things. actually. That's what. That, it, what's it, interesting is that it doesn't. It did to you, or it does exactly. you know? That's what you're afraid of. But that's actually not the case. Like just it's literally child actor. It's a yeah. it's a neutral description. But I think what it does by adding the child to it, it diminishes that you are an actor, right? Yeah. It like it somehow creates an identity that's different than doing a thing. Like you didn't just act. You were a child actor. It's an identity that's sort of like handed to you. I, I don't know. That's well, and also it. then it has the feeling of when you are no longer a child, it is taken away from you. That now you've yep. outgrown a thing. Now you're no longer special because you're no longer a child. And so you have that yep. feeling of mm-hmm. like, well, am I not still good at what I do or am I not still an actor right. because I'm no longer right. a child? But I do think when people talk about, well, how did, you know, child actor, for a lot of people, it it is weightier than just the description. I know the words mean you were an actor who was a child, but it also mm-hmm. does have that sense of like, so there must be a problem with you because you were a child actor. Because it does, I don't know, maybe that is just me, but I, I feel know. like most people think of it that way. I, I never called myself a child actor. And it, and it wasn't, I, it wasn't conscious. I was just, I was always an actor and that I, st- and then be like, oh, really? You're an actor? Yeah, I'm an actor. Oh, when did you start? I was like, oh man, I started when I was a kid or I was really young. Mm-hmm. But I was mm-hmm. never like, and I was a child actor. I, it just, I, I mean, see, it's different for you, Ryder, because you're not an actor anymore. Where I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still acting. So it was kind of like, I'm an actor. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, well, when I was young, I was on this. And when I was in my 20s and I was on this and I do a lot of voiceover. And like, it was never, I never put it in a category. And I think there is kind of like, that we, we've, we've talked about this a number of times. We're coming in the early 90s. You were coming off the 80s child actor, which did have that, kind of negative connotation around it where that's what you did. You peaked at at 17, you then robbed a liquor store, you did that's what happened when you were in, in you know acting in the 80s. Um and I think it we hit a different kind of version of quote unquote child actors and child actor in the 90s. I mean we we just did. And so I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I never referred to myself as a child actor. I was always just an actor. And then what's funny is in the last and and my wife calls me on this every once in a while. She's like, I wish you would stop doing that. For the last, like, I don't know, eight, nine years, I always tell people I do cartoon voices. They're like, what do you do for a living? I do, I go, oh man, I do animation or I'm a voiceover actor. Like, that's always what I've called myself. So I have no problem for some reason putting myself in that category, but I never once called myself a child actor. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Well, here we are, three here child are. actors. Three child actors. <laughs> About to go through. child actors. <laughs> and... Uh, Talk about some of your most frequently asked questions that we've gotten since we started the podcast. One of them is a very simple one, which is, what's the podcast schedule? How many times a week are we going to get to hear the podcast? Or maybe you're asking, stop overloading us with podcasts. I don't know. But you (laughs) want to know. Yeah, slow down. Why are we getting to a week? Um, 
our podcast schedule is one a week, unless we are lucky enough to have a guest, which we've had a lot of guests lately. If we are lucky enough to have a guest, then you will get two episodes in a week. And um, that's but the schedule. But if you act now, no, <laughs> we'll give you a third. <laughs> um, will there be a YouTube channel for the podcast? As of right now, the answer is no. Maybe somewhere down the line, who knows? We could eventually, we are recording this um, mostly for audio. It's not we're recording it because it's great video of us or anything. It's mostly just because it helps us with recording audio and we like to have it for our social posts. Um, but as of right now, we're not recording it for video. It's just audio. So, but who knows? In the future, maybe we'll, we'll leave that window open. Now, this is a great question for you two. I have kind of a boring answer for it, so I'm going to go last. But did you keep any props or items from the Boy Meets World set? Yes. Ryder, you want to start? <clears throat> yeah, so I, well, we, we I actually, I think I did end up trading not a bunch, but some clothing uh, at the end of the, the last season. Um, Disney would allow, they the, Disney only cared that certain clothes stayed because they would keep them in a warehouse for I don't know how many years. I don't think they're still there. But they did want to keep the clothes, but they would never check if it was the specific jacket, specific shirt. So our wardrobe people let us come in and trade. So as long as we brought in a jacket. So I went and bought a leather jacket that I had worn that was very similar to the Sean jacket, but it was mine. And then I brought it in and traded it for Sean's actual leather jacket. And I did that with some other clothes too. But for about... Two years post Boy Meets World, a uh, year and a half post Boy Meets World, I had that leather jacket. I wore it in New York, but then I was living in Brooklyn and Williamsburg, and uh, my car got broken into. Uh, I came out. Stolen. I came out from my apartment, and uh, my car's window was broken, and the alarm was going off, and my jacket was gone. I <gasps> Bummer. So yeah, someone stole the leather jacket out of my car in Brooklyn. Um, the other thing I have is there is a uh, painting of Robert Nighthawk that was in the college. Uh, what was it called? The the main the, the common room Penbrook? or yeah, common the, room? Is that what? Yeah. The, okay. What was it? I mean, it had to have an actual. No, name it had in a name. Script. It had a name. It was the. Oh my gosh! This is gonna drive me. Crazy. I have no idea. It wasn't just the common room. It was there was something else. Mm -hmm. Lounge, college lounge. I don't know. Anyway, the, the, right above, like one of the, the like the I think it's right away where the pool table was at some point. There was a um, uh, original painting. Uh, I forget who it's actually by, but it's a, an artist who does musicians. He paints musicians and with their name underneath. St and uh, we're just I did getting a student union. Was it the student union? Student union. union. That's what it was. That's Thank from, you. That's from Easton. Thank you, Easton, our Thank engineer you. and uh, Boy Meets Super World fan. mega fan. Okay, yeah. So in the student union, there was a painting. Anyway, I took that painting the last night. I stole it. Um, Danielle, you were with me. Yep. We were sitting in the stands the last night after the tape, after the, the final taping. It was you, me, my girlfriend at the time, and um, uh, Beth, who was our second stage manager, second second or whatever. Uh, yeah, anyway, I threw it in the back of my girlfriend's truck. It's just I was like, I'm going to take that painting. Um, <laughs> now I would go back and take so much more. Like, I really wish I had Pembroke sweatshirts and Pembroke stuff because we had that whole student union was filled with Pembroke yep. props. Mm -hmm. And I didn't keep any of them. I'm sure they're online to, to be bought, but it would be nice to have an original. I have a Pembroke sweatshirt. Oh, that's good. Somewhere. That's the only thing I kept. By the time the show was over, I was so, I was just mentally not in a good place. I was so burnt out. I was like, goodbye show. I don't think yep. at the time I had any <laughs> idea that it was going to one, be something I was talking about. 30 years later. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I didn't know that I, and I also um, unfortunately have never been much of like, I'm not sentimental about things. I'm like sentimental about experiences. I'm sentimental about, um, but like, th I'm not a big thing person. I like to, I'm, I tend to be a little bit more of a minimalist. And so the idea of holding on to something didn't really strike me at the time, but I wish, I wish I did because obviously I'd like to, I'd like to have it now, but that, the, other than the Pembroke's, Pembroke sweatshirt, I don't have anything. What about you, Will? Yeah, I don't have much. I am very much a sentimental person, which just surprises me that I don't have more from the show, um, where my wife is the same way. She's like, oh, baby clothes, yoink, and she just throw them away. Um, I have a John Adams Athletic Department sweatshirt that I we wear still it. when I work out. Yeah, It's very cool. And um, and I have a Dr. Papson signed by Mark Papson. So we, we've talked about this on other shows where you're not allowed to show products and you can't show. So can't say Coca-Cola. I can't say Pepsi. 
So we would have our prop guy would would have a little fun and they would rename uh, certain products, whether it be cereal or soda or whatever it was. And one of the things that he, his name was Mark Papson. And one of the things we would have Dr. Papson instead of Dr. Pepper. So I have a Dr. Papson signed by Mark Papson so cool. in my office sitting on the desk. And it's, it's still been there full, for years. Right? It still has. No, no, no. It was, it's totally, it's empty. It's no, oh, it's they, empty. it was empty from the, when I got it. Okay. Um, but other than that, and then I have things that I just kept because I never throw things away. Like I have probably a hundred different scripts, at least. That's so cool. Um, original scripts from Boy and original scripts from Kim Possible and kind of old shows back in the day. But I have a, a ton of Boy Meets World scripts that I found. And um, I mean, I have like original videotapes. I found the original pilot uh, uh, mm-hmm. not too long ago, which I gave you guys each a copy of with the original Eric and the original Alan. Oh, and I know this is going to be a frequently asked question. No, it will not be released anywhere. We don't have the right to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, you know, I found that. And, and but other than kind of big stuff, no, we, we all did the, the clothing trade. You know, you went in and, oh, these jeans for that jeans and that. And it was crazy to the point where you talk about how, how um, exacting Disney can be. It was a good three or four weeks later, I got a call from someone at Disney who was not affiliated with the show, but with Disney wardrobe overall, asking me for a pair of black socks that apparently I had taken. There's a pair of black dress socks missing from your character. So they really did follow up. They followed up. And I was like, sorry, don't have them. And I'm not about to run in a pair of black socks to Disney. But they... I. Literally got a phone call about a pair of black socks. So that, I think the Disney vault is actually like kind of a famous thing because remember the episodes that we did where we went back to like the 40s or the 50s? I'm wearing Lucille Ball's shoes. Yeah. And that's that's why they... They, ca- they keep all the clothes. They keep them so that when they do period pieces or if yeah. someone becomes some massive star or historic, yeah. you know, there's some historical reason to do it, they've got it. And then I don't know how long they hold on to it, but I mean, we, we did that episode where we went back to the 50s in like, you know, 95 or something and yeah. I'm wearing Lucille Ball's shoes. I think it's more for functionality or like what you were saying. It, it, it's more about for period pieces than they're, they rarely, I, I don't think they're saving things for sentimental or resale value or like sort of historical museum no. They also value. don't it's, don't save everything because there was a, no. it went, went viral on TikTok last year or the year before where somebody found at a thrift store and it's marked Disney and tagged Disney with the date, the quote unquote now famous pink dress from my date with the president's daughter, which is a movie that right. I did for Disney. And it was like all over TikTok where the the woman was like, I have the actual dress and there's the, you know, the name and everything on there. So that yeah, was, so what was really cool is that Disney has, they have a warehouse where they, div- they the a giant rows all the way up to the ceiling. So from floor to ceiling, racks of clothes, and they divide them in rows by decade. Do you guys remember yes. this? Did you ever go there? No, so you I don't can think go, I ever went. Yeah, so I think probably what happened is a lot of our clothes might be in what is now the 90s yep. aisle of this warehouse. Uh, but I don't think they would have labeled and kept it just for you know the sake of boy me- having it, it having yeah. Boy Meets Do you World. think they're labeled at all, though? Like, do you think if we went there and looked in the 90s thing, it would there be a Boy Meets World section? Or do you think they're all just muddled in there with the 90s? we can find a denim sleeveless denim with well, the that's what I mean, I, I know it sounds <laughs> I ridiculous. I think we just recognize we'd have to look for our stuff. It could be a lot of fun if they would let the us The leather jacket I traded in for I mine might still be there. I would love to go. That's what I'm saying. We get video and we put it up on the website where it's like, All right, look, so if anybody works clothes. in the art department of Disney mm. and can give us access to one of the many warehouses, I just remember the one in particular we went to. Yeah. Um, that would be amazing. Wow. Do you remember Ryder when up. they used to, there was the the one woman, and I wish I remembered her name because she was very sweet. We would go to her office and she would take us down the hall to like the DVD room and she would open up the, the doors and the drawers and it was like, take whatever you want. And we would walk out with like stacks of DVDs. What are you at, talking at about? Disney you mean at the Disney, Disney store on no, on not the to, uh, no. Uh, she was like an executive at Disney, but who had access to the whole DVD section, and she would be like, "Take because they'd have stacks no. of all their movies and all their shows and all their stuff." And we would go in there and walk out with like thirty DVDs each of all the new I stuff. I do not have any recollection. Oh of yeah, it was honestly. awesome. So maybe it was I never totally did cool because I don't. Yeah. Oh, I used to do it all the time. I know you were with me at least once because you were like, "This is the best." I was like, "Yeah, this is all." Awesome. I would have been. It would have been a lot later because DVDs weren't really. Yeah, even no. This was. Still, I think we were. This might have even been sixth or seventh season. Yeah. But it was great, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. 
Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best-fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. As a podcast focus on reliving memories from our past, I can tell you firsthand, as you get older, your memory just isn't as reliable as it used to be. Yeah, if we didn't have Will here, there would be a lot of dead air. <laughs> that is true, Robert. Well, guys, since I know you need a little help, you're going to love Legacy Box. It's the safest way to digitize your home videos and pictures, even when you think you don't have a way to watch them anymore. Oh, this is perfect, especially with Mother's Day right around the corner. It really is the perfect gift for the whole family, whether it's a sweet 16 or college graduation. First steps or performing a Backstreet Boys dance in between scenes on your childhood network sitcom. This is the way to reconnect with your history. The process is so easy. You just fill your legacy box with old VHS or camcorder tapes, pictures, negatives, film reels. I mean, they even work with over 15 different types of analog media, so they have you covered. Then you just send the box back and their team professionally digitizes everything by hand in the U.S. And you'll get it all back on the cloud or on a thumb drive along with your originals. I recently sent off my first box to Legacy Box and I got into my old storage unit and found about 40 tapes, all different media. And I was able to label each one and send it off. I cannot wait to see what these tapes hold. Jensen and I also recently got some of his home videos digitized and being able to hear his parents' voices again has been a real gift. So join over 1.5 million families that have trusted Legacy Box with their memories. Go to LegacyBox.com slash world to save 60% during their best Mother's Day sale ever. It's time to connect with your past and make sure those memories are preserved properly. That's LegacyBox.com slash world. Summer is steadily approaching and you know what that means. Wearing a shirt at the beach so I don't look like a sad radish for the entire vacation. Okay, maybe. Being thirsty? Yes, Ryder, you got it. It is time to go outside and bask in the glory that is sunshine with barbecues and hikes and trips to exotic locations. With your shirt on? Yes, with your shirt on. It is time to jump into a camper van with your son and your wife and... Torture everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, with all these summer activities, it's so important that you stay hydrated. And we're here to tell you all about Liquid IV. It has three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients in a single stick. It's clear why Liquid IV is the number one powdered hydration brand in America. You just rip open a packet and pour it into your water and bam, you're hydrating with electrolytes, essential vitamins, and clinically tested nutrients. But most importantly, it tastes good. It's so easy and perfect after a workout, which I do to replenish after a nice long run. And you can travel with Liquid IV right there in your pocket. Add it to a water on a flight or after a big night when you need just a little assistance to get up in the morning. Tear, pour, live more. One stick plus 16 ounces of water hydrates better than water alone. And with sugar-free flavors like white peach, green grape, raspberry melon, and lemon lime, you can't miss. Turn your ordinary water into extraordinary hydration with Liquid IV. Get 20% off your first order of Liquid IV when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code WORLD at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code WORLD at liquidiv.com. When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze, you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ionic 5 is a tech-forward electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve, forcing you to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard? Hyundai. It's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. 
Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. All right, so um, will we ever get to hear Anthony Tyler Quinn, a.k.a. Mr. Turner, as a guest? Yes, we will. We I've already sure talked will. to Tony. What's funny, very quick funny story. Well, it's not funny so much as ironic that we're talking about it right now. Um, I am here in Chicago where Tony and his wife have moved, and he is picking oh. me up tomorrow night, and we are having dinner. Nice. Um, so I will saw you please him, take a picture and send it I to will. us? I will. I saw him three weeks ago, right before, probably two days before he moved. I mean, they like literally just moved. Like here. just moved. Oh, like okay. just moved here. So uh, he's yeah, he's coming to the con to to grab me tomorrow night. We're gonna go and grab some food. And oh, uh, fun. so he, I, we've already asked him. He is absolutely coming on the show. He cannot wait. So you will certainly be able to hear from from Mr. Tony Quinn. I can't wait to talk to him. Oh my gosh! Please send us a picture. I want to see will, him of too. Of course, of course. He probably looks exactly the same. He does. He looks yeah. like mm-hmm. a. He's still in way better shape than any of us could ever hope to be. And he's, <laughs> yeah, he's crazy man. Love him. To okay. Death. Another very frequently asked question is, who were our first celebrity crushes? I know mine right off the bat. Go. Well, okay. So I have two. My first celebrity crushes, my earliest celebrity crush that I can remember was Aaron Gray on Buck Rogers. Uh, was oh, my, my Was God. my first ever celebrity crush. Followed quickly when I got a little bit older by um, Drew Barrymore. Mm. Those are my two. But Aaron Gray on Buck Rogers was like, it changed my life. <laughs> so funny. Mine was uh, Meredith Salinger in Journey of Natty Gann. A, oh. a, a missed masterpiece. I love this movie. I actually recently wow. watched it with my son. And it's actually, it's it's not great, but it's incredibly, <laughs> it's incredible at its recreation of the period. Um, it's a great film. Um, just, it, 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 I, it should be remade big time. Um, but Well, anyway, get on that, uh, writer. Yeah, yeah, I know. No, I, I actually have like thought about it. it would be an amazing limited series um, because it's, it's about a girl who like escapes uh, during the depression or her dad is works all the way across the country and she's in like an abusive situation. So she runs away to find her dad across the country. So it's her literally moving from one coast to the other. I think it's from Chicago to California to find her dad. Uh, and it's just her like riding the rails and she has a wolf that like hangs out with her. And um, uh, is it fantasy? No, 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 no. It's okay. gritty, realist, like, uh, and, and that's kind of the problem with the movie is that it's just episodic. It's just like, now she's in this town and she runs into this gang of kids and she goes over here and it's all very like, it doesn't string together into like a fully functional, good narrative. Um, but the beats are wonderful and Meredith Salinger is awesome. And I actually got to know her later on. She played my brother's girlfriend in his, the pilot, Odd Man Out, which we talked about in our first episode. Um, Hillary Swank played his older sister wow. and then Meredith I'm Salinger sorry, was the girl he, he was like Googling making her. out with on the couch and I remember my brother and I were both just like oh my god because we had <laughs> grown up loving like having our first crush on Meredith when she was you know like 12 and we were 8 or whatever oh um, I know exactly and here he was making out is. with her yeah she's great it. she's so, she's I mean we actually became friends in our in, in our teens I haven't seen her for years but um, you know who she just she married she, Patton Oswalt Patton Oswalt yeah she's Patton yeah. Oswalt's wife yeah she's great but anyway, that was by like definitely my first first feelings. So I didn't watch a lot of TV as a kid, and I'm not sure why because my parents like weren't opposed to TV or anything. I just don't have like a lot of memory. It wasn't important to me. It was like just not a thing I was into. I was really interested in reading. I loved to read. And I remember my brother being really into shows. My brother is four years younger than me and he watched a lot of animated stuff. So like Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, yes, you know, all of that stuff. And so I remember watching that stuff with him and I was like, I was a fan of Sesame Street when I was really young, but that was it. I didn't have like- Cookie Monster. Yeah, so Cookie Monster was my first crush. (laughs) No. So my first- You were more of a Kermit guy. (laughs) Oh, Danielle, I I really like you. Oh my God. My first then celebrity crush was actually Jonathan Taylor Thomas because (gasps) Uh, I actually 
Yes, from home improvement because mm-hmm. we worked next door to him and we, you know, played sports with him. And oh, but this is different. That's yeah, cheating. only a young you can't actor's say, first childhood crush yes. is somebody they know. Yeah, that's like that's like <laughs> saying your first. Yeah, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. I know. I see you, Danielle. You're trying to slip in a school crush or like a very like appropriate age crush in real life. And then because it happened to be a celebrity. Oh, excuse me. Did I date somebody from NSYNC? Oh, is that just. No, you you were already a celebrity by that. But maybe that's true. I get it. I get it. I get it. But the whole point is, did you ever have feelings for somebody you didn't know? Like the point is somebody was on a screen or in a situation removed from you and you had a crush on them that was basically based on it never happening. No. It, well, that's no? not true. Not no, okay, not, well, that's no, not true. That's, that's not true. I take that Here back. That's not true. After I already had the crush on Jonathan, and then yes, Jonathan was my first boyfriend <laughs> when I was like 12. <laughs> oh my God. Um I then also I, when uh Titanic came out, I was just beyond for, for Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio. Okay. I mean, I mean disgusting. Disgusting! Like right. the biggest right. crush. I just, I used to be like, I'm going to marry that guy. And, wow. and that was So weird. you would have moved over and shared the door with him so you both could have survived. Of course. Nice. Of course nice. I would have. Nice. Um, so yeah, I did have a crush on Leonardo DiCaprio, but that, that feels, that feels weird to me because it was so much like I was, I was 16 or something at that time. That it was counts, a weird, though. it was it's a like weird time. I don't know, you know, I, yeah. that's the way I felt about um, my brother was actually in a movie. He ended up getting cut out. But he was in this movie called Foxfire mm-hmm. and uh, Angelina Jolie, a young Angelina oh. Jolie is in it. And she is unbelievable. And she is great because she's a great actress, but she is also so gorgeous. And so when my brother, when I saw this movie, which my brother got cut out, he's still in the end credits. You can find him. But when I saw this movie, I was like, who is that? And I am in wow. love with her. Um, yeah. yeah. Natalie but- Wood in West Side Story was like that for me, too. That's another one of mine where it was just she was so... As Maria, just These are incredible. All predictable. Oh, yeah. also Eminem. Eminem. I went through. I had a, a little. I was. I was yeah, eighteen, yeah. eighteen or nineteen. Yeah. I had a poster at eighteen years old. I had an Eminem oh, poster intense. on wow. my on my wall. I was. I, oh my gosh! And how could I? I just remembered this. Do you guys remember that in my wallet, I used to carry around a picture of David Letterman. Da- I, that's but, right. I you remember did? this. That no, was, I don't know that no, at all. this was something you always said. You were like, I think David Letterman is the, David the most Letterman. handsome man. Yes. And we were always like, what? And you're like, because he's so funny. He's so funny. So yes, that's I it. actually, I just remember that. The wallet. I had no, a picture of him wow. in my wallet. This was wallet. such a big conversation. I remember being like, oh, Danielle's got a thing for David Letterman. But then, David you know, Letterman. it totally makes sense. I was 12 years old and in love with David Letterman. As a matter wow. of fact, so my first boyfriend, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, then got to be a guest on the David Letterman show. And he came mm. home with a signed headshot from wow. David Letterman to me. And I think it said, Dear Danielle, be nice to Jonathan. Nice. <laughs> I love David Letterman. So was and that a crush or was that just like admiration for? Um, good it question. Was like it, it get- I don't, you don't know. Well, you know what's funny? I thought he was extremely handsome. I thought he was very funny. I loved, I loved everything about him. Carried around a picture of him in my wallet. But David Combs is one of the people who actually pointed out to me and it made me a little insecure because I was like, well, I don't know. But I said, he was, you know, talking about our crushes and I said, yeah, David Letterman. And he goes, oh, so you're attracted to power. And then, Yikes. and then just like moved on. And I was, and, and I was like, I had never thought of, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm 12. Moment I'm, I'm 12. Wow. I don't know. I just know that I like him. Um, and I, so, but it always then made me self-conscious wow. to like say that I had a crush on him, but it was, it is mm. a weird crush for a 12 year old to have, but I guess. Well, no, but him and Jonathan Taylor Thomas, David Letterman, very similar. <laughs> right. Uh. That is what people say. But I did, I, I am very attracted to funny people. I think. I think funny people are just me too. I love I love someone who's able to make me laugh. And David Letterman, I think, probably was like the first person, celebrity wise, I remember regularly making me laugh. And just mm-hmm. I don't know, I just yeah, sense him, of so. humor is awesome. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Listen, Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and so do their tushies. Especially when they start really moving. With Huggies Little Movers, you get their best fitting diaper with its curved and stretchy fit. That's right. So no matter what kind of mover you've got, they'll feel protected and comfy while their little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. 
Huggies Little Movers has curves designed to fit all baby curves and helps provide up to 12-hour protection against leaks. So make the switch to Huggies Little Movers today. We got you, baby. When it comes to Podmeets World, we're synonymous with two things. Watching our younger selves on a TV show from 30 years ago and loving Hyundai. If we could, we would take Hyundai to prom. Technically, Hyundai is more visible on this show than Topanga. The first ever fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5. With up to a 303-mile range, available two-way charging, and other category-defining features, the fully electric Hyundai Ionic 5 is one of the most teched-out electric vehicles ever. Say teched-out again. Nope, that was a one-time show. Snooze you lose. Well, either way, the Hyundai Ionic 5 is a tech Ford electric SUV. The standard ultra-fast charging capability gives you an 80% charge in just 18 minutes when using a 250-plus kilowatt DC fast charger. So that means your car won't die out like the Matthews family vehicle on New Year's Eve forcing me to miss out on kissing supermodel Rebecca Alexa in front of all of Philadelphia. And with available two-way charging, you can charge larger electronic equipment inside and outside the car. Backyard or side yard? Hyundai. It's your journey. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. 2024 Ionic 5 rear-wheel drive has an EPA-estimated driving range of up to 303 miles. Actual range will vary with options, driving conditions and habits, vehicle and batteries condition, and other factors. Available in limited quantities and select states only. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, Jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Or sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by the experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. We talk a lot about moms on this podcast and how important they are to us. Absolutely. Without Jen Fischel, what pictures would we post on our social media? But above and beyond all the incredible mom things they did for us, laundry, dinners, let us travel to Los Angeles alone to chase our dreams of acting. Will, what, what else was your mom doing? Uh, my mom was also running all three courts in Connecticut while authoring books. Wow. Well, whether your mom was a legal trailblazer or just the greatest source of inspiration and care in the world, this Mother's Day, she deserves some flowers. You are right, and that's why I'm sending mine farm-fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And while I'm teaching you things, how about 25% off your entire Books order so you can join us in treating our mothers to a beautiful arrangement? Love it. Here's why I like the Books company. They are different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. That's really cool. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Your mom is unique, so she deserves flowers just as special. And Books is simple. I went online, picked the delivery date, and I'm done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your Books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to Books.com and use promo code WORLD for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com promo code WORLD. Books promo code world. Okay, which one of us received the most fan mail? Writer. That's what I said. I, I said it was writer. And by the way, the person who sent in this question admitted that they sent it was a, a boy, and he said he sent a letter to writer as a kid. Yeah, with the you went. You had a good year or two where you were on the cover of like every teen magazine. Yeah, there, so. there, yeah. I was actually on Oprah for being one of the celebrities who, who received like the most fan mail or something. Well, so, there you at go. one point it was like thousands of letters a week. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up being on Oprah. It's an awful appearance. If anybody can find it, it's the worst. I was so 
like insecure and just did you hate, go I to hate Chica- talk shows, did you, like, by the way. I hate talk Chicago? shows. No, you know, I ended up being in Chicago. I was visiting my friend Erin, who I just saw last week, um, still one of my best friends. Um, I was visiting her. She had grown up with Ben, actually. That's how I met her. Second season, she came out to visit Ben, and she and I became best friends and have been best friends ever since. Um, but I was I was visiting her. This would have been 95, I guess. I was I went to visit her for like a week or two. And um, Oprah called, and I just happened to be in town, so they just picked me up in a limo, and I had to go wow. shopping at the Gap. And Aaron's mom had to pick out all the clothes; I had nothing to wear, so Aaron's mom dressed me for the appearance. I'm, I'm so uncomfortable; <laughs> it's awful. But anyway, the reason I was on Oprah was because I, at that point, was receiving I don't know how many thousands of letters a week, and it was put me in the upper category because <clears throat> you know that's what um, the teen magazines basically at the back of the teen magazine would give out a fan mail, a fan address so, for fans to write to me. Um, and you know, there was, I would say like until the second season, I was reading all of them probably by third or fourth, it was getting overwhelming. I couldn't read them. I also started feeling very uncomfortable with how, with reading them. It didn't make me feel good. You know, at first it was like, oh my gosh, somebody reaches out to me because they, and then it starts to feel more and more alienating. Like, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm always going to let these people down. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not going to be able to write a, write a letter back that's, eloquent or what they really want they just want a connection with me and i it started making me feel very uncomfortable um so yeah so i I ended up i'm sure a lot of listeners out there have because i've seen people tweet this or instagram this there i started sending out a post a postcard a signed postcard me too that um you know it was a pre-signed thing it was like there was actually a company you guys remember there were fan mail companies that would receive the fan mail for you and send out postcards um so i ended up doing that so i'm sure a lot of our listeners somewhere still have one of those postcards me with uh, sitting on a stool or or an apple box and uh yeah that, that ended up being my response i remember um somebody telling me once and it has always stuck with me they said when it comes to your fan mail answer them all or don't answer any don't right. do anything in between right um and i always thought that was kind of that was an interesting way to look at it where it's like i mean now you would never get letters. You just get emails or tweeted at yeah, or Instagram comments or whatever. Anymore. Yeah, no. I get letters all the time. Do, Do you? you? Yeah. Like actual handwritten letters? Handwritten letters. Is it a fan site kind of thing? or Mm-mm. No. Is no. it your home? No, thank God. No. I still not get to my some home. stuff to my home occasionally. Yeah, no. people's... Tr- yeah. Well, I wanna... when... When we first started getting fan mail, I also read them all and then responded to all of them. And... I, in 93, so one of the things I did before I started acting in 91, so I started acting when I was 10, two years before I got Boy Meets World. And uh, before that, I was in gymnastics. One time I called myself a gymnast and my mom looked at me and she said, you were in gymnastics. You were not a gymnast. (laughs) And she's correct. I was not a gymnast. I was just in gymnastics. But- When I decided I wanted to be an actor, my mom was like, well, you can't do both because gymnastics was after school and like you're going to be going to auditions. You have to pick. And I said, I definitely want to be an actor. I want to go to auditions. So I stopped doing gymnastics and I got a letter in like 93 from a young girl and she included pictures of herself in it and she was in gymnastics and she wrote me this handwritten letter about, you know, that she was a fan and I wrote her back and then she sent me another letter and we started this correspondence back and forth and I felt very close to her. And one of the things she talked about regularly was that both of her parents died when she was young and she lived with her older brother. And at some point, maybe in the second letter she wrote me, she included a picture of her brother, a couple pictures of her brother. And her brother was several years older, good looking guy. I like where this is going. And, um, and she was always talking about like, thank God for my brother, because without my brother, like, you know, I don't have parents and, and, you know, I don't know what I would do without him. And, (laughs) Then we started, she included her phone number in one of the letters. And I was like, oh, let's give her a call. And realize my mom is participating in me writing back. She's reading all these letters as well. And she's aware of what I'm writing. And she's reading what this girl is writing to me. And my mom is like, yeah, this girl seems like you guys would be friends, you know? So I call her and I get her voicemail. But it is not her. It's her brother's voicemail because it's his house. They live in an apartment together, but her name isn't anywhere on the voicemail. It's just like, hi, you've reached so-and-so. She doesn't exist. 
She no. doesn't exist. Well, right. The call is coming from within the house. Oh, no. It oh wasn't uh, until so then. So some guy pretending to be a it girl. It was a guy pretending a- to be a girl. And the way it all oh, came out catfished. is because I kept calling her and she then would never, you know, and I left my Ugh. phone number and she wouldn't call me back. And mm. then we got a letter from her brother saying that she had died. Oh, <laughs> And that's where he went to cover his tracks. My mom Um, woke up in the middle of the night and was like, like, she never, she never existed. It's Um, always been him. And then he started showing up at my school (gasps) and telling people he was there to pick me up. Fan mail. Too? Mm-hmm. This, this is, is like the first, first one you have. stalker oh, experience. So first, my, you dipped your toe in the pool and an alligator bit your foot off. Well, this is why you have to have clear boundaries. It's really hard. I mean, like, you know, it's just, it's it's such a tricky thing, fame and, and dealing with, e- and even nowadays, it must be even crazier for really famous people. I mean, I don't, you just have to create boundaries. It's so hard. I had girls calling my house when I, when I was like 11 and 12 girls would find my, cause I was listed in the phone book. Yeah, my we parents were, were we back to in my hometown. Yeah. And so girls would call and like back then I would like meet up with them. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. <laughs> because I was, well, I was before Boy Meets World. This is when I was like on home improvement or yeah. I had done local plays or whatever. Girls would call the house and like, I would meet them at our arcade. <laughs> play video oh, games. Super awkward. Like, right. like, you know, at the time I was just like, oh, you like me? You you saw me on a TV show? Okay, I'll be your friend. Let's hang out. Or I yeah. maybe will have a crush on you uh. too. And in retrospect, it's like, no, you have to create boundaries. I, yeah. I really, I remember going out with Ben right during the first season and he got recognized, I guess for Little Monsters. It, was, it wasn't for Boy Meets World yet, but we were at the Glendale Galleria, I want to say, or one of those early malls in, in LA. And, um, and he got recognized, and I really learned from him how to manage that moment um, because he was so confident. He was so uh, gracious and thankful and signed whatever these kids wanted. And I remember watching him and being like, oh, that's the way to do it. Because I, at that point, I would have, if I got recognized, I'd be like, oh, my God, you know me from my TV show? That's so cool. What's your name? Do you want to go hang out? Do you I would just not create any boundaries because, to me, it was so exciting that somebody would recognize me. But, of course— when you become a professional actor, you a professional famous person, you have to learn how to take it in stride and, and be like, yes, it's good to meet you. It's so nice. I understand yeah. you from my show and, you know, shake hands and take a picture or, or sign an autograph. But, um, you know, it's not it's <laughs> it's not a chance for you to freak out, too. You're right. Yeah, when and- I was when I was 11 or 12, I had a older executive at Nickelodeon scare the hell out of me. Um, I mean, do you remember, you know, those shows where they like, they bring kids into prison and scare them straight. Scare That's essentially straight. what this guy did to me. About um, being famous. Oh yeah. He sat me down and he said, you know, you're going to start getting letters and you're going to start getting calls and you don't know who you're talking to, but it worked like it worked. We just put up the boundaries and we're, did the same thing. Had a, 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 a friend of our family uh, who I'd grown up with was, um, her mother had retired to Florida and was like, let's, let's you know, let me take care of your fan mail. So we would send out the postcards and do all that same kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, you would get really weird letters. I mean, from the strangest was, one I ever know, got. It was is, rare though. I mean, I, you know, it was we rare, have to say they were, as a blanket statement, they were weird. fans are awesome. Amazing. Fans Amazing. are incredibly Amazing. respectful and like, it, I, you know, but it's the fear of that one in a million that isn't all stable yeah. or that's going to lie to you, pretend or to be your sister. Very, that's very, very scary. sexual, like very yeah. openly sexual. Yeah. Or, I mean, again, I had the, my, I still say my weirdest one I ever got when people, because this is a good, this is a question people always give. is like, what's the strangest piece of family you ever got? And a woman, I was probably only second season of boys, so 17, 18 years old, I had sent a wedding invitation with both of our names on it, the time and place with a letter saying, I'm married now and I have two kids, but if you're at this church when, you know, for, for our wedding, I will be marrying you and I will be leaving my family. And like a full printed up, like whole, like I got a wedding invitation to my own wedding. It was very, so you can get some strange. You're right. 99% of the fans, 99.9% of the fans are amazingly respectful, really nice, just love the show. Um, would love to talk talk to you. Yeah. Are really cool people, but you 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 worry about the the point one percent. Yeah, I mean, I remember David Combs, our studio teacher, being the first person to really sit me down because I was so confused by being famous, and he was like, "Ryder, you you're in their living room every week. 
They're, you're part of their family. You know, and I remember being like, oh, because I hadn't grown up with TV. And so the idea that, like, when you watch a TV show, especially a TV show with a recurring family, uh, and that, we, you know, you you do form this different bond than, you know, than I had up until that point. I, I never understood it. That comforting feeling that people get from Boy Meets World. You yeah. Know? I mean, we're a part of that. And our faces, our voices. And so when somebody meets me that I've never seen before, I've never met they have this level of like immediate familiarity and, you know, and that's just difficult to navigate. It's, it's a weird thing about media. Yeah. Is there a story behind Corey and Sean's handshake writer? Yeah. So we had a day. Um, yeah, it was really great. You know, I mean, I talked about how Ben and I didn't connect the the first week of the show or the pilot of the show. Cause you know, he was into sports and whatnot. And he was from LA or actually he was from Chicago, but he was definitely like living in LA at that point, probably for three or four years. To, you know, in my mind, being a Northern California snob like I was, everything about L.A. was awful. Um, so I, I we just didn't get along that well. We didn't connect, even though we were working together, until, I guess, probably right around where we're at right now in the shows, like right around seventh or eighth episode. For some reason, I can't remember why, we had a just school day together where the show was shut down and instead of meeting on the set, I, I don't know why we couldn't meet on the set. We we went and met at Ben's house. And it was my first time at Ben's house. And David Combs, our studio teacher, was there. And we finally had, like, the greatest day ever. We just connected, and we had so much fun. And I remember laughing and telling stories. I, I think we must, have, we must have had to make up hours. So it must have been over a weekend. We were making up hours that we had not banked or something. So we had to do schoolwork together. And we just spent this whole day together. And at some point during that day, we created this handshake. And we decided it was our handshake. It was Ryder and Ben's handshake first. It was not Corey Sean. We did not mm. have any intention for it to be in the show. Um, and then we did that episode. I think it's where the uh, blender explodes. And uh, we just did it during rehearsals. Uh, it was not in the script. We were like, hey, let's... We could do our handshake after we achieved whatever it was in the scene. And we did it for David Trainer, And David Trainer was like, do that. Do that at the run-through. Don't tell them you're going to do it and just do it. And we did it at the run-through and it became a thing. And then we probably did it three times over the course of the series. But yeah, it was a handshake it? that we invented. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, there's, you know, I'll f- try and find video. Robin, who was the second ED on, um, on Girl Meets World, took video of us when we had to do it there when we were rehearsing it. So they were playing it back for us on a screen while we were, pre- but we had our, I, I can still remember it. I can still feel it. Yeah. I, I, it was really a fun thing. And you know, that, that like doing the little dance at the end, like that's classic Ben. Like I'm sure he came up with that. Like, do, 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 yeah. Do. Um, but yeah, it was our, it was our real friendship handshake before it became the Hori Sean handshake. That's, that's really cool. cute. That like made me emotional hearing it. Cause those yeah. are, those are the moments that like I really um, that are the most meaningful for us. The people, you know, people always think about the moments on set, but they're they're it's so rare that the really special moments actually took place on set. They usually happened at some other location like that one was yeah. at Ben's house. And so yeah. many of our moments actually um, that are special to me took place at either Ben's house or at your house where my mom would drop <laughs> me off in the morning when you guys were able to drive and I wasn't able to drive. And yeah. I would then be at your house at, either before or after work. Um, and we had all those Fun moments. So all those awkward driving moments. All those awkward driving mom. moments. Watch oh it! Watch God. it! Watch it! She was so stressed <laughs> out. I understand. So fifteen years old learner's permit. You in the back seat. What? Oh my God! My those gosh! Most stressful days. So we'll get to that. That's fun. season two. <laughs> uh, yeah, driving with Ben and Ben's housekeeper, who took us to work a couple of times, and we'd be running late, and she would drive down the center divider. She drives down the median. I remember oh, that. I remember God. being in the car and, and panicking, panicking, terrified. absolutely panicking. And you know, Ben is so. He's, he's, so he's a lot like Corey, but like he's explosive with his body. And I just remember him being seat belted, but like levitating out of his seat with fear of just like, and like thinking we ran over something. What was that? Was like, that just one day? Cause I, I vividly remember that experience and you and I were both in the car. We were carpooling from Encino and it was raining and we were late and she just t- pulled into the median and drove us full speed wow. down. Like, oh my God. So it, was, it was terrifying. But I also other times drove with her. Um, and, and I, that I, when I don't think her. you were there, it, there were, she was a median driver. She liked to drive down the center. Divider. A median uh, driver. Yeah. It was very <laughs> funny. We have so many more of your questions that we want to get to. So we are going to take a break and come back with a brand new episode of frequently asked questions. We love you all. Pod dismissed. 
Pod Meets World is an iHeart podcast produced and hosted by Danielle Fischel, Will Friedle, and Ryder Strong. Executive producers Jensen Karp and Amy Sugarman. Executive in charge of production Danielle Romo. Producer and editor Tara Sudbach. Producer Lorraine Virwez. Engineer and Boy Meets World superfan Easton Allen. Our theme song is by Kyle Morton of Typhoon. Follow us on Instagram at Pod Meets World Show or email us at podmeetsworldshow at gmail.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 